Welcome back to Canberra Conversations with your host, Colin Campbell. And today's conversation is episode 205 of the podcast with Dakota Robertson. Dakota is the founder of Growth Ghost, a social media growth agency for seven to eight figure entrepreneurs and content creators. Having amassed over half a million followers himself across social media, Dakota really knows what he's doing. He's an expert at creating content, which not only resonates, but causes action and effect afterwards. But that's only part of the story. You can expect to learn around Dakota went from bouncing around jobs like a medic, security guard, and even a Domino's delivery driver at one point to the seven-figure ghostwriter and content creator we get to speak to today. You'll hear perspectives and insights on Dakota's experience with plant medicine and what that taught him, learning a costly $25,000 lesson, working with and becoming friends with the people that you looked up to and had as role models over the years, and what it truly means to lead with your heart. Today's podcast is sponsored and supported by something a little bit different. It's sponsored by my upcoming podcast, Masterclass Course. Most podcasts fail. It's just a fact. 80% stop before even hitting episode eight, before another 100,000 episodes stop before hitting episode 24. The odds of a podcast being successful are extremely low, but that doesn't have to be the case. The benefits and opportunities that have opened up to me and been created through podcasting over the last three years have been absolutely incredible, whether that's for business, personal brand, network. Building a podcast opens so many doors, and that could be you too. I've learned so much over the last three years, and I've distilled it down into around nine more modules, 54 different video lessons delivered on Thinkific, which I'll be sharing as a link in the coming weeks. It's due to be released in early October once I've got everything finalized. But if you want to register your interest early, you can DM me the word masterclass on Instagram or on LinkedIn, and I'll give you access to the early bird offer, which will be discounted for the first 50 people that choose to take the course. But before we get into this episode with Dakota, I want to make sure that you've hit the subscribe or the follow button wherever you are. And we've seen another big jump in the number of ratings we've had on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. So please do hover your finger and hit that five star rating as well but right now the music's going to play and you're going to have just over an hour with myself and mr dakota robertson dakota welcome to the show thank you so much for joining me i was saying before we hit record amazing we've been able to align up the time zones and make this happen yeah thank you for having me i'm really uh, stoked to be on and yeah i've somehow made it work exactly that and there's so many different topics that we could go towards but for starters i want to go back to september 2020 at the time i understand that you bought a twitter guide that cost you 40 dollars or something to get you started and you entered in your journal at that time not sure where this is going to go now spoiler alert it's gone some pretty cool places but i want you to describe what was life like at that point in time and what was happening that made you buy that 40 pound guide yeah, so leading up to that moment, I was bouncing around from job to job, trying different side hustles and all of that. And I was really into the self-development space, you know, reading typical books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Napoleon Hill stuff. You know, it, that that's what led to all these other books. And I eventually built more of a desire to become an entrepreneur and live a life of freedom. But yeah, September 2020, I was really kind of lost and I felt like I had all this potential but I didn't know where to place it so when that Twitter guide came up that course it's like oh like I'll give it a try you know seems interesting because I was on Twitter because of crypto and that I thought that was gonna be my ticket to wealth was crypto so I was really reliant on that but yeah I just took a shot on it and I'm so glad I did because yeah, I was, I was pretty lost and I was, I was going to college at the time cause I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So it was like, oh, I'll just become a, my backup plan was college. You know, you could become a high school English and psychology teacher and I'll figure out hopefully That's something the safety net. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of reverse, but, um, yeah, it, I'm really glad I came across that course just by happenstance. So, yeah. One of the terms you used there was you knew that you had potential that certainly born out to be the case you could see that with everything you've gone on to do was there anything that was pointing to that in those years where you were bouncing around in terms of this unfulfilled potential that you now have i think it was self-awareness i just was one thing one trait i feel like i was gifted whether it was genetics or social programming was i had this self-awareness of my drive and ambition when i had interest in things and I excelled at jujitsu, excelled at football and all these different, and school as well. But I just wasn't 
passionate about a lot of things and the direct, especially the direction I was going. So I knew if I just could direct my energy and focus into something I had interest in and that had no cap, no ceiling for growth, like entrepreneurship, then I could kick ass. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just something it took some time to cultivate, you know, getting that confidence, be like, you can do it and actually taking action on things. But, uh, over the years I got more and more confident with myself. And then I think when that time arrived in September and onward, it just cultivated to me taking action on things and and really just pulling the trigger and saying, yeah, you, you can do this. You can make it work somehow. I think so many of the individuals that I've spoken to over the last three years of recording these podcasts, you, you there's so many people that have that unfulfilled potential during the schooling system and during the kind of traditional Western world that we're kind of being funneled towards, regardless of what that ends up being, whether it's different in the UK here or whether it's different in Canada where you grew up. But when you start to maybe find those, what you'd maybe call less traditional paths and less traditional income routes and less traditional paths to freedom and wealth it's quite exciting to see how like how positive that works out because look how fulfilled you are when you talk about the stuff that you do now look how excited you get of course there's going to be pivots in the future but ultimately it's probably still going to be Dakota working for himself and doing things that he cares about yeah 100 percent, man and like one thing I've learned along the way too is you know staying authentic to your values along the way because i think it's easy to get lost when you start making money you start seeing success you're like oh how do i grow bigger and and do more make more money and all that and this is actually a lesson i've, I've learned recently like literally yesterday i i hired someone a mentor to come in and help scale my business and the experience was like, I paid him a lot of money. I paid him $25,000 and I was going to give him rev share of my business. And he was a friend and I, I had a lot of trust in him. And the experience was just bad because they're not, I think they had good intentions, but the, so they came in and they put in some systems with my business. But one of the things was writing emails for, myself which i'm i'm very artistic type and very creative type and it just kind of felt off to me but i was like okay i mean this guy makes more money than me he knows what he's doing and the emails were just so off from my message my tonality my my story like even made up like some stuff that wasn't true about my story and i didn't see the initial emails that went out but then when i saw them i was like oh, holy shit like this is not aligned it with didn't me. feel right yeah 100 percent. and it did and although it might have made me a lot more money i i was like i gotta cut the plug on this thing this the, the emails were like honestly dog shit and the way it was going about doing this whole thing with my brand was just off it was it was more about prioritizing making money than long-term brand building and sure I might've made more money, but I think to me, it's more important to stay authentic and stay true to your message than it is to make more money. And I, I took a $20,000 loss because there's no refunds on it. He gave me a 5k refund because we were friends. Um, but yeah, I, I was, it was more important to me to lose 20 grand and take that lesson and never have someone write for me again or not be aligned with with my brand than it was to you know make some money but not be true to myself so that, that's Can a, I share a phrase with you dakota yeah yeah please. Um, it's come up quite a lot is the juice worth the squeeze <laughs> so there for example the juice might be an additional 100 grand a month and addressing 150 grand because some of the numbers you've done are, are incredible. And if a business mentor came in and they managed to kick that on another step, it might mean sums like that, which a lot of people listen to us will be like, fuck, that's insane. But if that juice isn't worth the squeeze and the, the methodology that achieves it, then of course you're not going to stick with it, Dakota. You're not going to be willing to go down that path in terms of maybe sacrificing the albeit huge community you've built, but a community of people that really resonate with your actual story 
your actual mindset, your actual approach. Whereas if you maybe dialed it up a little bit to make a little bit more money, but it wasn't still the Dakota that you look in the mirror or you write about in your journal or you think about or you, you, you've kind of created in your own mind as your image and your self-identity, it's, it, it can't last. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I just look at business as another form of, well, it's the ultimate form of self-improvement because you're forced to level up at different stages and in different areas. And if you don't, then you don't eat, you know, you don't get paid. But it's, yeah, like I just see some of the people in business and they all they care about is the numbers and ROI and all that stuff. And that's all fine and dandy. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, it's just money and we're all going to die someday and we're going to look back on our lives. And you're like, am I proud of what I did? And if I was to look back at where the direction I was going, if I kept going in that direction, if I was to look back on that, then I would be not proud of the direction I went and I didn't stay true to myself. So yeah, it's, that's why I love business. You know, it's just, it challenges you in so many ways and it's not even just a skill set thing. It's a mindset thing and it's a values thing. So you, you got to constantly ask questions and, and seek advice from people, but also at the end of the day, make decisions for yourself. Because if I would have just listened to somebody that's just because they're making more money than me, then it would have led me down a path. I don't think I would have liked. So yeah, it's expensive lesson. <laughs> expensive lesson, but I've got a lot of respect for you explaining that in those terms, particularly as it's somebody that you have a friendship with, but respectfully you, 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 you've disagreed with. And I think one of the things that I speak about when it comes to like positive masculinity, because it's always painted as a, as, as a negative by certain corners of the internet, but the, the kind of aim of this kind of podcast is when people come on, I want them to be like strong, articulate, masculine men are able to have difficult conversations that don't need to turn into physical alter altercations as well. And you've clearly been able to, to do that in that particular situation. You're speaking there about your values and your your pin tweet is uh, obviously something that drew my eye immediately. And it, it, it reads that my parents struggled with crack addiction. I used to live in a motorhome as a kid. I was a college dropout, but now your uh, ghostwriting business is turning over $50,000 a month and it grew to that within eight months as well. Mm -hmm. That part around what we've been speaking there about your values, you come from uh, a challenging upbringing in terms of the traditional sense, but you are a man that's got so many traditional, pretty based values. What enabled that? The mentors along the way and especially my mom. So my mom, she she suffered from crack addiction like around the age of 16 onward, like from my age, 16. Um, and before that, man, she was such a beautiful woman and she instilled so many great values in me. She always told me, Dakota, never lie, cheat or steal. And she taught me a lot of, a lot of valuable lessons. I actually remember her sitting me down one day when I was around eight years old. And she told me, Dakota, don't work for somebody else when you're older. Like, start your own business. And she just really drilled that into my head. And I didn't appreciate the words she told me at the time, but reflecting back on it, she had such a huge influence on my life and I'm so grateful for her. And she was such a beautiful woman. And also the mentors in sports. So my football coach, Peter McCall, had a, a really big influence on me, my jujitsu coaches, um, my, my friends, like business friends like nick verge i consulted him about the the thing that happened recently he was he was a really uh big help with that and just a uh, really appreciative of the the lessons i've learned from friends and mentors along the way and i think they've they've helped guided me and also mentors that i haven't met you know like jordan peterson or or mark manson or whoever from books and podcasts you know if you can't afford or you don't have any positive role models in your life you know looking looking for people that produce content or or something you know you can you can have that you know parrot we do live in a fortunate age in that regard like don't get me wrong there's a lot of podcasts that i i speak to the guest and we bemoan the nature of technology nowadays the torching of our attention span the fact that we can't switch off but i also like I spoke really recently for my 200th episode with a, an investor that was speaking about the fact that the stock market and capitalism has enabled us to live like these healthier, longer lives for, 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 for more than ever before. And we're actually very, very fortunate. And I was saying to him, well, I just bought a mic and a webcam 
and started talking to people during the lockdown of 2020. And then I've grown this podcast now, which I get to speak to amazing guests all over the world, like yourself, like whoever else. Technology enables that in the same way that you've just said there, that if you aren't surrounded by positive role models in your life, you can tap into hours of Jordan Peterson content, hours of Mark Manson or whoever it is that really speaks to you. And Jordan Peterson, certainly one that's spoken to me really strongly as well as many members of the audience. I know really like him as well. And we are fortunate in that regard about the generation that we've grown up in. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. And it's, it's like a tool, right? You can hit yourself over the head with a hammer or you could build a house, right? And just like money, you know, it's, it's all a reflection of who you are and, don't get me wrong, technology is very addictive, especially when you're in the social media space. But it's just, you know, if you have the the right systems in place and and the right guidance and, you know, you right discipline, I mean, it's it's super impactful. Like you said, like you, you started this podcast and you get to talk to a lot of cool people, you get to network and all that stuff. It's it's absolutely mind blowing. So it can yeah, it can be a tool or a weapon. Yeah, exactly. That I, I love that I love that analogy and that that that, that way that you bring like an analogy to life like that just it, it translates from your written work to your to your spoken work as well I know that's actually something that when I was listening to some of the podcasts in advance of this that's something you've been working on in terms of bringing that same level of like really articulate flowing storytelling to your your spoken work and your spoken content as well as your written content 100% I mean it's just at the end of the day writing is just concentrated thought and the more articulate you are with your writing it translates to you're speaking, you're thinking. That's why I love writing, especially as a career, because sure, you can switch and do something else uh, at some point, but the benefit of writing is going to stick with you for life, you know, communication with relationships and business, whatever. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still working on my writing and speaking skills, but I, f I feel like it's gotten significantly better since I started writing every day. We're a constant work, like work in progress, aren't we? Like there's no such thing as the, the finished article. And even when you maybe do feel like the finished article, that's when you're most likely to get slapped in the face and taught a lesson. Like you maybe come up against or not up against, but you encounter someone that's just of the next level. Like don't get me wrong. There's certain interviews I do and the guest afterwards will be like, wow, that was a really good interview. Like, thank you for the questions you asked or whatever. And then I'll listen to another host interview somebody that I'm maybe got coming up and I'll be like, wow, that host was incredible. Like his research, his questions, like, um, I've had Danny on the show and I, I know you've done a podcast with Danny and I think he's, his research is brilliant. And many guests have said to me, like, your research is incredible. But I'm like, I listen to a guy regularly who his research just blows me away as well. And I, I think there's a lot to be said for realizing that there's always going to be levels to the game and you're always just trying to just eke out the most out of your potential which was a word that you used right at the start of this podcast yeah man it it's common in every endeavor you know the the gym bros like, oh that guy's way more jacked than me or the the, the social media dude you know like, oh they get their content so much better than mine it's, it's, it's so easy to compare yourself i do it all the time and i have to catch myself it's like okay you know, that's them though. How am I comparing myself to myself a week ago, a month ago, a year ago? Am I progressing? And yeah, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the comparison game. It's, yeah, it's, it's a rough one. If we go back to when you're first starting out on Twitter, I know that you were actually encouraged as a guy that's in fantastic shape. You obviously had a, a great jujitsu background. You were good at American football you were encouraged to create kind of fitness style content, weren't you? And kind of go down that route when it came to creating your content and maybe monetizing and creating courses. How did you manage to steer away from that and go more towards the ghostwriter that we know you as now? Yeah, I think, I think it was just more challenging. Like I, I wanted to become more articulate because it's easy to look at some, you know, fitness dude or someone who's, who's fit I mean, like, oh yeah, he's just that. But I think it's really cool when you can, you know, be the fit guy, but also very articulate and intelligent. I think that's some somewhere a lot of people doubted me was intelligence because you know it's it's the stereotypical gym bro. You know, he's a potato, and I, I definitely have my potato moments. But I wanted to challenge myself, and I wanted to become more articulate because I, I since a young age I've had a a deep love for writing. I remember in grade one, I would just write and write uh, for an assignment. 
uh, on storytelling or something. And it was the end of class. And I just kept writing because I just I just loved it so much. And I loved reading about stories and, and books growing up. And I, I found I found that love again when I started writing content on on Twitter. And I just wanted to take it and run with it. I think you can affect more people's lives, too, when you can communicate because it scales, you know, compounds, social media compounds, writing compounds. I can write one email and it goes out to thousands of people. And if I frame the words correctly in a correct order, it creates an emotional response. And if that emotional response is powerful enough, it creates change in the reader and then they change their lives. So it's really cool in that aspect. You also make a shit ton of money. I'm not going to lie. Fuck yeah. Let's, let's make some money. But um, it's cool because it's, it compounds and you can have a greater effect in the reader and I think it's more meaningful to me. I appreciate there's different drivers for every decision. Of course, finance has to be an important one. Like you create in a niche that's kind of called money Twitter. So of course there's <laughs> got to be a, 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 a finance driver towards it. And certainly when I created online for the first time, my Instagram page grew in kind of 2018, 2019 initially through posting fitness content. And it was like the low hanging fruit because I had a training habit for years. I was always in good shape. I was always really lean. I built a good amount of muscle but it didn't light my fire in the same way that maybe having conversations about right what kind of wider self-improvement did. And I've got friends that have built amazing online fitness coaching businesses that are like so passionate about the result, the transformation, the process. And there's a Ryan Doris quote that when you come up against true passion, you'll be made to look a fool. And I completely resonated with that because if I had gone into the kind of fitness coaching route and up come up against some of my friends that have built fitness coaching businesses that truly like get out of bed in the morning to see that Sarah or Jack or whoever they're coaching has lost the kilo, I would lose because I wouldn't have the same drive and passion. I wouldn't put in the work that they were willing to put in. So I have to try and end up in an arena where I'm happily recording these podcasts with no actual like really clear goal on what it means from a financial sense but i'm just loving having the conversations and as it scales of course there's been some money involved and i've reinvested it back into the show but i'm willing to do the work almost for nothing because of the 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 other benefits that come with it at this moment in time yeah dude you can't compete with people that love what they do because they're just gonna keep learning about it they're gonna keep getting better they're gonna have that drive it's it's yeah it's that's why i tell people in my program when they're starting on social media, pick something that you have interest in and that there's market demand for, because if you don't have interest in it, you know, it's just going to feel like work. Uh, that, that's why I noticed too. I, I dabbled with fitness coaching for like a month or two and I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like having to, you know, do all the stuff for people and like trying to get people motivated. I think it's way cooler to craft words and motivate them through that. I mean, that's all, writing is since it's communicating you know you're you're creating that response in them and i mean even if you're a fitness coach the the benefit of writing is is huge because you're going to articulate your ideas better you're going to persuade people to take action more and it, it just affects every facet of your life so whether you know it or not you know you're a writer you're a thinker you're a communicator and i mean why not improve that skill completely agree and like i say i've got tremendous respect for the people that have particular passions in that industry in the same way i've interviewed guys that have built amazon fba businesses but then i've spoken to people that have dabbled with that and hated it i've spoken to people that have flipped stuff on on, on on craigslist and they love that and i'm like i couldn't imagine doing that but if you have a passion for it and you double down and you and you, you do well then you become the top one percent in that industry and you can reap the rewards of the off the back of it but in terms of in terms of ghostwriting when did you start to make your your first money when did the first kind of clients come about yeah so i for context i hired dan co uh 2021 in the summer and he helped me monetize um my brand because i grew to like four thousand followers and i was like i i would i don't know what i'm gonna do like i think i'm gonna do copywriting but i don't know how to get into that but jk molina he was talking about ghostwriting at the time social media ghostwriting and he was he was talking about he was getting paid to grow people's Twitter content. I was like, oh man, I love doing, I love writing Twitter content. You know, like I love creating. It's fun for me. And I also thought, okay, I can be a small fish in a big pond of copywriting, or I could be a big fish in a small pond of ghostwriting, which is a new industry. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be a ghostwriter. I procrastinated for a few months, you know, building a landing page and trying to make everything perfect and all of that. But November of 2021 was when I launched 
my landing page and officially launched my offer. And it's funny how I landed my first client. So there's this software I used. It was like a productivity software. And I noticed it was kind of like slow on my computer. So I just, I DM'd the, the founders on Twitter. I was like, hey, just uh, heads up. It's just wanted to let you know about this bug. And they're like, oh, thanks. Cool. Uh, like, whatever. Really appreciate it. And I guess they checked my profile and they looked at my landing page and they applied to work with me. I was like, oh, shit. Cool. So I had a sales call with them. Uh, and I landed them for three K a month and then I got another application and I landed that guy for five K a month. And then I got another application, landed them for three K a month. So I was at 11 K a month in November of 2021, all within 28 days of launching. So I was kind of like mind blown because the demand's so high for ghostwriting and lost a client, lost the five K client. Cause we were, didn't, we didn't get them results and, just from the months onward, it was a lot of lessons, a lot of wins, a lot of losses, and just trying to figure things out. But yeah, so it was November of 2021 when I hit my first 11K month. And yeah, it scaled from there. It's amazing to hear that. And I know from reading into your backstory that you ha did dabble previously with different online businesses. I named Amazon FBA there, I named flipping, I named, I think um, one of the things you did was like iPhone repairs as well. <laughs> what, what made ghostwriting different for you to these other ones apart from of course spoiler alert, of course you're talking about the passion you actually had for writing appears to be the big one that stands out to me yeah i think well first off ghost singer or ghostwriter sounds cool and mysterious you know put that in your tinder bow yeah you're like ooh, what no, just kidding um but you're gonna clean up <laughs> yeah <laughs> mysterious uh i think it was just I, I i love creating content and i love brand i love aesthetics and I like building something and I like seeing that there's a, a result. And I, I felt like I was good at growing on social media. So it just felt like a natural progression to monetize it in that way. But yeah, it's cool talking to interesting people because the people that get ghostwriting are usually wealthier people. They want to grow their business or grow their influence and they have money already. And the people that have money, they're, usually competent and if they're competent they're usually interesting and that was a really cool thing about ghostwriting i met a lot of interesting people a lot of high level people and i just got to pick their brain turn it into stories and tweets and all of that stuff and grow their account and i became friends with a lot of my clients and met, met them up, up in real life and uh it's been really cool so that was, that was a unexpected benefit of it and reason why i really enjoyed it but uh yeah, I think I just really liked, I really liked creating content and it's something I wanted to do for other people. When I think about ghostwriting, one of the immediate thoughts is how do I speak in somebody else's voice? And you were saying there that you get to speak to these really interesting people. And I wonder what are the type of clients that maybe employ a ghostwriter? Like I know there'll be lots of accounts on Twitter that maybe people follow and it turns out it's Dakota <laughs> with the, with, with who's, who, who's, uh, who's hitting the keys in the background. Dude, there's a, there's a point in 2022 where most of the content you probably saw on Twitter, like the stuff going viral was me. It was, it was great. It was funny. Um, but yeah. What was the question on how, how to nail their voice? Yeah. Like how oh, did you yeah. know their voice and like, who were some of the people you don't have to name names, but what mm. kind of roles were they in and, and why did they maybe want you? Yeah. So there's one thing I noticed. So there's, there's two reasons why someone wants a ghostwriter in my opinion. One is to get more traffic to their business, make more money. And so you'd get people from SEO, uh, marketing backgrounds, sales backgrounds, stuff like that, e-commerce. I didn't really like working with those people because I just don't like creating that kind of content. The interesting people that I liked were the wealthy people where they had the money. They just wanted more status and more influence because this one thing money, I mean, maybe you can buy it, but it's harder to buy, I mean, you know, fame status. So they'll hire a ghostwriter to put in the work to do it for them. And that was interesting because I met really interesting people like founders of big brands that just want to build a personal brand. Um, there's one, there's, there's people in like that adult industry uh, I got connected with. Uh, there's people 
just like I don't know how some of them made their money. It was kind of interesting, <laughs> but uh, just like different different characters, like influencers, stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting characters. But the way I, I would nail their voice would be we would hop on a one to three hour call every month, and then we would ask some questions about their story and all that, and just hopping on a call with someone, you get to a sense for the tonality. Like right now, you probably get a sense for my tonality, my my tone of voice and how I act, how I respond. And you also catch different mannerisms. So some people might say, you know, folks or or use a lot of slang, stuff like that. You'll catch that. Uh, it comes from just that one-on-one interaction. And mind you, it's not perfect. Uh, you just get better over time. Um, but... Yeah, it was mainly the calls and you just pay attention. You the the thing about being a writer, you got to be a good listener. You know, it, it all, you're an observer. And if you can't observe You mentioned that you're really self-aware at the start of this because we were talking about how you knew that you had potential that you weren't fulfilling when you were maybe bouncer in these jobs and there wasn't enough proof there to maybe show that look, this guy is going to go on to do great things as you've done now. But I think one of the big things about self-awareness is that you also have to work on your observation of other people. So like I know from being more self-aware about my characteristics, I notice them about colleagues I work with in work. I noticed about colleagues. I noticed about podcast guests that I deal with. I'm like, that guy is super intense or that guy is super detail orientated or that guy is super action orientated, whatever it is. And you start to pick these things up by understanding that about yourself as well, because you can see people that are either like you or not like you. And I can imagine given the self-work that you've done and the improvement that you've done in yourself, it probably becomes easier over time to like when you jump on a call with somebody and you're maybe noticing some of their mannerisms or some of their behaviors to like, okay, I get this guy. Even if it's not something that's like, like you, you can maybe see the opposite reflected. Yeah, man, there's archetypes. I've noticed it's true with dating or business or, you know, people you meet, there's different archetypes and you notice patterns over time. Like, oh, when I meet someone like this, it usually, you know, they respond this way with that. It's interesting. I'm definitely, I definitely could work on my judge of character, but I think as I get older and more experiences I have, I'm getting a lot better at noticing these little things or little red flags that you might notice or green flags and, and spotting that. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how there's just that repeat. Do you have particular like outfits or places you go to write when you're trying to be a particular client of yours because um i hosted a guy called dylan madden on the show he's um Mm -hmm. a professor in the real world on copywriting and dylan was talking about he has like his hat that he puts on when he's writing particular emails about pitches or or whatever else and he always encourages people to have like a a uniform as a writer yeah so when i need to get shit done i'll put on a hoodie and a hat and i'll put the hoodie on put my air maxes on i'll go to a coffee shop too i'll change my environment and then i've recently started putting in like a little timer where you know counts down but i find having those little you know things where it's switch i also get my nicotine spray too like when i put that in and i know okay i'm gonna bang out some work yeah exactly uh i didn't have it for particular clients where i was like okay i put on this outfit and that outfit or whatever but whenever i need to get shit done black hoodie hat and Air Max's nicotine spray timer <laughs> in the coffee in the coffee shop. Yeah. yeah, there's no messing with you. It's like a that's like the perfect environment. I, I really do believe that if you can shape that environment, you can shape your identity, then shape your habits, you shape your behaviors off the back of it. And there's no there's no surprise when I speak to people that are doing the stuff that you're doing that there's some sort of ritual around it. Now I'm not saying you need like a a four hour long morning routine and all that kind of stuff that some guys come out with, but mm-hmm. It's funny that there's like a few different variables that you're like, look, if I take those boxes, I'm going to smash out this client work and then it's going to be worth X amount to me because I've done it at a really good level. Yeah. So Todd Herman, the author of The Alter Ego Effect, he talks about this, you know, having some kind of thing where when you put on, maybe it's a ring or glasses or a watch where it triggers, okay, I'm, I'm triggered or I'm I'm getting into this alter ego I've created for myself. And it's a really interesting concept that I like. You know, it's just like maybe one thing, maybe it's a ring, an aura ring that you wear. And it's like now I'm, you know, writer dude or, you know, Batman or whatever you want to be. And uh, it's a really interesting concept. I like it because it's, oh, I don't got to, you know, sun my balls in the shower for five minutes and then do this crazy routine. You know, I'm, I just put on this one thing. It's just boom. 
and then it's go time. Yeah. One of the things that would obviously attract clients to you is your own success with growing your own page mm-hmm. on socials. What do you think have been some of the fundamental things that have underpinned that success? Well, I think the biggest thing is when you go to my account, I think you get a sense that it's a real person behind it. If I go to like 90% of accounts on Twitter that are big accounts, it's just copy paste. Like it's just, you know, using the same templates, using the uh, same pictures, the same dumb motivational fortune cookie quotes. And there's no brand, you know, they just built this following and sure they get good engagement because they're saying basic level shit, but you know, real people, you know, like intelligent people, they don't care for that in my opinion. And I think what I've done well is I talk about my screw ups. You know, I, I dropped an email this morning talking about that $20,000 mistake with my brand and I'm not afraid to talk about more real stuff and go higher level with stuff, you know, talking about more high level business stuff, my emails or content. And yeah, sure. I, 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 I do some of the more growth content, you know, where it's top of funnel, really basic, but I also go deeper. And I think that's what really creates that diehard fan base is when you tell your story, when you share your worldview, your opinions, show your personality too. Like I'll ship posts a lot on social media and say really stupid stuff. Cause I think it's funny. And of course that's polarizing. You know, I'm not super corporate. I'm not very professional, but I'm not trying to attract those kinds of people. I'm trying to attract people, you know, laid back, you know, but they also get shit done, shit done when it comes time to get stuff done. And yeah, I think the main thing is just not being afraid to show my personality and authenticity and all that where other people, they like, oh, I got to look like super successful guy and, you know, post all my wins and seem like I'm perfect. Uh, I, I try not to put that portrayal out like to show my flaws i think one of the things that you said um, early on is around authenticity and having consumed a lot of your content especially uh, in preparation for this your ability to be vulnerable but not like weak if you understand what i mean Mm -hmm. there's i think there's a big difference between weak and being like on your knees and being strong and open and vulnerable in terms of being able to share like this went wrong so my my twenty thousand dollar mistake some of the challenges within your upbringing, which you've been super transparent about, it draws people towards you because you're not leaning on it as a crutch. You're actually talking about it as a lesson, which people can take so much from. You're sharing it as it's relatable and people are like, well, actually I, I had a similar experience or I can relate to that because my cousin grew up in that circumstance as well or whatever it is. And from that basis, you build uh, a lot of trust, which I think you have within your audience. And I recognize how you're speaking just now completely explains why you would move away from a growth strategy for your business that doesn't align with that trust that you've maybe built over the last couple of years. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I, it's, it's so short-sighted in my opinion, where people are just like, Oh, like what's trendy. You know, you know, like the chat GPT trend where everyone's, they're all chat GPT experts. All of a sudden they're just, they're just putting out these cheesy, fucking threads and giveaways 10 best prompts to put into chat gpt to grow your business yeah and then these guys are really quiet now it's like okay you're an expert on ai a month ago what are you what are you doing now you know they're flip floppy um but yeah i i hate the people that are victims you know the victimhood shit i think it's good to recognize yeah you've been through challenges but what did you learn from that and i like to talk about my challenges or or shortcomings because it just you know, in a world of social media where everyone's talking about how great they are, I think it's important to talk about, you know, I fucked up, you know, I'm not perfect. I think it opens up that, that discussion or it makes people feel more okay with themselves with screwing up or, you know, they, they feel like, oh, okay, I don't got it all figured out, you know? And that was something that came up when I did ayahuasca a couple months ago is like the phrase lead with your heart, you know, be, you got to be the one to be vulnerable first because everyone is it's kind of like a mexican standoff everyone's like they don't want to you know be vulnerable but the once someone makes the move to be vulnerable and show their shortcomings they're like oh yeah me too you know and just i want to open that up like i want to be the person that 
that makes it more accepted, but not being a little whiny bitch about it. You're like, oh, and life's hard and all that, blah, blah, blah. I hate that. There's a balance to strike. And I think you do it really well. And the the phrase that's kind of like screaming through my head in terms of like when you're talking about like leading with your heart and being the one that opens up first, other people's walls and guards come down off the back of that. So for example, Dakota as this jacked, successful guy is happy to share this vulnerable moment with me it must be okay for me to do the same. Great. So you're leading from the front. You are, um, one of the phrases I use loads in the podcast and the listeners will be laughing, um, a rising tide raises all ships. So if you can be the rising tide in terms of like a positive role model for some of the younger guys, because I imagine your audience will have a wide mixture of age demographics, but loads of young guys will look up to you as the, the guy that made money on Twitter, that lifts and lives a lifestyle where he's got location freedom, all this stuff. If you're also sharing with them that, look, share that this trauma happened to you or this challenge happened to you and how you've how you've moved forward from it if they're following you in that regard that's a really positive net effect for the people that are engaged with your stuff yeah man 100 that's really meaningful to me because i'm trying to be the person i wish i had growing up you know having having that role model and i want yeah i want to try to teach people stuff I wish I knew. And it's really meaningful to me when I get messages like, hey man, that post you made or that email you sent, that really resonated with me. That's the stuff that's really cool. And it's, uh, yeah, and then you think about the cascading effect or a compounding effect of that. You know, if you change someone and impact their lives, you know, how many contacts do they have in their life that they could potentially affect? So it's kind of like a cool virus <laughs> in a sense, yeah, <laughs> pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can spread you can spread the Dakota vibe. What else came up for you when you when you did your ayahuasca retreat? Was it Costa Rica you went to? Yeah, yeah, it was Costa Rica I went to. It was a seven day retreat, and we did ayahuasca three days out of the seven. And I felt a deep empathy for myself in a lot of ways. Like the first night was connecting with that inner child, like all the feelings I had growing up because I had to suppress a lot of feelings just to like toughen up and get through shit. But the first night was just a lot of just feeling. And I, I was seeing a therapist for like since November of last year, just going like, just yeah, it'd probably be good. Just talk about stuff. And one thing you mentioned was, you know, feeling what you felt as a kid. And I didn't know how to do it. So asking him like give me the logical steps to do it you know what are the, what's the process like how do i do that he's like you just gotta feel i'm like i don't know how to do that it's you're weird. a practical guy i, I completely get it you yeah. come from that fitness background where yeah. it's like if i left x number of days a week and i eat this i'm gonna look like yeah. this or move towards this so i, I completely relate to that it's yeah. one of the challenges with the mental health conversation where it's not tangible sometimes and you're like quote quote bro help me like, yeah tell me tell me tell me what if i'm at point a how do i get to to d or e or f or even z in the future so no i i respect that a lot so when you went to costa rica that came more to light for you you were able to do that more dude i felt i felt like i was i went in my mind and i felt that kid that i used to be and I cried a lot and it was good tears. It was tears of relief, just a lot of like pent up shit. And I remember just telling myself like, dude, it's okay. You know, you don't gotta be scared. You don't gotta feel alone. And I felt that, that feeling of alone growing up. Like it was so visceral, it was so intense. And I, I was happy that I was feeling it because it was a form of letting go, you know, it was, it was like closing the loop. And I just felt, this bridge between me and my inner kid and just me telling him like, Hey, it's okay. Like I got it from here. You don't got to be scared. You don't got to you know, worry. Like I'm, I'm taking over. And it was, it was a really meaningful moment in my life and it, taking on more of the role of the leader in my life and with the people in my life, because I always felt like a follower. I was always very shy growing up and I just let others take the lead and just realizing I never really had a desire to be a leader, but just realizing, okay, if I want to have an impact on people's lives, like I got to step into that role and, you know, lead with my heart, be more vulnerable and have that open discussion. And that was a big thing too, is like being vulnerable. It's something I've gotten a lot better with, but on that retreat, I mean, there's 12 people there. It was mainly women. And we'd have these integration circles after 
each ayahuasca session and these people are sharing the some deep shit man and i i was shared a lot of deep shit a lot of stuff i don't normally talk about with with complete strangers and i just had to practice that that vulnerability on a deep level and it was that was it was really really impactful on me and uh, i'm i'm super happy i did it and the people i met too you know getting it a deep empathy for strangers like strangers are the people i met there and we were so close after that whole thing and we've met up with people after the ayahuasca retreat when i was like in miami and like other places and it's yeah such a it was such a beautiful experience and just getting feeling really connected to humanity and nature and i i uh yeah i definitely came out of that more spiritual like i i, I did not i would identify spiritual and I mean, going back to the therapy thing, one thing that's helped me a lot is reading spirituality books, you know, not super woo woo, you know, the, like the secret, but uh, awareness by Anthony DeMello. I read that years ago and that was great. And what was it? The one from Michael Singer. I forget what that one is, but it was a great book as well. And I, I feel like philosophy and spirituality are reading that is the answer to you know, more of emotional problems and getting clarity on that rather than, oh, just feel your feelings. But it's like, no, it's like, you know, take take these philosophies and, and readings and, you know, just think on them for a while. I feel like that's the best way. Having those two combined, no, I think it's incredible the way you speak about it as well because there's, again, there's that tendency to be like, have you done ayahuasca, bro? Or um, yeah, like the whole the kind of Rogan meme isn't it like have you ever have you ever have you ever have you ever taken what is it um DMT uh, yeah DMT and he and he kind of op- he, he, he opens with that and people are like what the fuck but at the same time when you come away with it with like tangible lessons that you've implemented in your life and like things that have popped up in your character and opened up other elements to Dakota I think that's quite an exciting prospect and I think it opens you up to pursuing like even more of like who you're meant to be in terms of this leader for yourself for those around you for your family whoever yeah dude it's like ayahuasca and psychedelics have played a huge role in my life yeah so the first thing i ever did before i even drank smoked weed or anything was mushrooms a lot of mushrooms at the age of 13 my brother found found out i had some and he made me do a bunch of them just to teach me a lesson it's great but um yeah because the thing with psychedelics is it you know shuts off certain parts of your brain and lets other parts of your brain communicate and you get different perspectives on where you're at in life and and you get a different mindset on how you're approaching situations and it's super powerful for pattern breaking and getting out of your own head and oh you're you're in your head but you you know you your your standard mode of thinking and it i I've always left a psychedelic session with some kind of lesson or insight that's really deeply impacted me. So I, I see again, I see it as a tool, right? You can hit your head, you hit yourself over the head with a hammer or build something cool. So yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm really appreciative of psychedelics. It's very cool. Something I've heard you say you're appreciative of before is the the people you've surrounded yourself with. And you mentioned Danko earlier and actually you mentioned J.K. Molina as well. I know that you actually spent time living with both of them at one point who anyone that's kind of tuned into that side of Twitter will have seen their content, will have tuned into their stuff, whether it's even Instagram that they've come across to and they sort of kind of dominate on, hmm. on LinkedIn in some ways as well. What was it like spending time with those guys day to day? That's great. Yeah, J.K. Molina is a great guy. He's a funny bastard. Uh, he's a really hard worker, really smart, smart guy. He's he's younger. He's I think he's two, three years younger than me. And he's he's just killing it. He's very driven, very ambitious with business, and very smart when it comes to that. I, I really respect that guy. And same with Dan. Dan's very Dan's interesting. He's very stoic. Like when I first met him, he was way more stoic than I I pictured him. And I brought out the the silly potato in him at times and i got a lot of respect for dan too he, he changed my life and really impacted me but uh that guy is super driven as well very ambitious and he will cut shit out like he'll he'll find he's on this path to progression and if something deters him a little bit he'll just cut it out completely he's like all right no drinking alcohol or no doing xyz and he's very independent too 
which I respect. You know, he does his own thing and he likes going on walks alone. The guy walks a lot, a lot, and he's very creative. He has a very, he's very sure of himself. Like he does something and he doesn't second guess it and he just takes action. Same with same thing with JK, just takes action. I, I really respect that. I learned a lot from those guys. They're, yeah, they're they're really, really solid people. Around that taking action piece and seeing those guys just implementing all the time, what impact did that have on you in terms of some of the stuff that you've gone on to launch? So, for example, I wanted to launch a cohort with like social media, how to grow on social media. And that was, I had that idea in like maybe April of 2022. And I was working on stuff for months. And I remember JK had an idea like, about starting a Twitter account uh, about marketing or something and growing that. And that same day he's like already launched it and he's already tweeting about it. And I was like, Holy shit, he did that fast. And then I went to a music festival with Dan and we're driving back the day after and he's hung over and he has this idea for this cohort. And literally that day he's working on it. And he was like a week or two later, he launched it, got a bunch of people into it. And here I am just been working on this cohort for months now and just, you know, trying to be perfect, try to make it the best thing ever. But these guys are just launching shit, getting feedback, iterating and making it better. And I realize, you know, the top people in business, the top most successful people I know, they all just execute you know the, the speed to execution is just like that and the reason why is because while i was perfecting this cohort and trying to make it perfect i was losing out on feedback you know because i was just going to create the product and launch it hope it was what people wanted but they just you know i got an idea i'm going to whip some stuff together i'm going to get feedback from people i'm going to make it better and that's i at least in my opinion, I think that's the way to make a winning product because you're getting that that feedback and you're not spending wasting all these months building something when you don't even know if it's going to work. So I took a page from their book and just, I mean, I took a page like a year later, but <laughs> I, uh, I I launched. The lesson resonated eventually and, 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 and it hit home in time for you to do the thing. 100%. Yeah. And I just launched my cohort and I only had a week built out. It was like a three month program. I only had a week built out, but I launched it just to see if there's interest, got a bunch of interest. Okay. Got people in the program, had a week of content. Now I just got to stay a week ahead of them while I build it out. And it was, it was worked out great doing that. It's like proof of concept is really reassuring. And it's probably a much bigger motivator and not that somebody like yourself, I consider to be quite disciplined, but sometimes like if there's a carrot in terms of like, so for example, launch the program. I've got one week of the 12 weeks built out, 10 signups, shit, there's demand for this. People are going to pay whatever price I put on it. I better build week two now. I better build week three. And it's like, there's like wind in your sails. Whereas previously you're just kind of building in silence in the dark. And there's, there's a, there's a noble pursuit around that. I get that entirely. And the, the hoodies on the, 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 the headphones, you're talking to me, the, the nicotine spray has been had and you're, you're working and you're, you're building, but there's not the same momentum because you haven't got the encouragement from the outside world, which sometimes you do need, like you're not seeking validation, but you're seeking proof of concept to be like the hours that I'm about to invest into this are going to be valuable to me and the people that sign up. Yeah, dude. And then you also get a fire under your ass because people are expecting something the next week. And if you don't deliver, you're going to look like a, a potato. Do you like a deadline? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's really, really beneficial to put those, uh, those deadlines because, you know, you could just procrastinate forever if you don't. Do you know one of the first times I heard your name online, Dakota, was when Sahil Bloom was talking about you on the My First Million podcast with Sam Park? Yeah. And uh, I then, uh, like, I'm a pretty voracious reader of his of his newsletter, The Curiosity Chronicle. I've had him on the show. It was an incredible experience to to speak to him and learn from him. How does it feel when people like that, of that, maybe, I don't want to say level, but of that level of, like, um, reach, start talking about your stuff? Yeah, it's pretty surreal, man. Just thinking back, you know, on my journey, it's uh, it's nuts. It's, it's really cool because I get to... I mean, I, I talk to him sometimes and you know, same with Dan Go and all these other people. It's just it's just like, whoa, you know, three years ago, I was delivering Domino's pizzas. And now, I'm, you know, in this creator space and I get to talk to these people and they talk about me. And it's, it's 
yeah, it's humbling. I, I'm appreciative of them and you know, shouting me out and all that. It's, it's really cool. I've heard you speak before about how important distribution is for content, because I think it's clear that you're always going to write excellent content, but you can shout into a vacuum, so to speak, if you don't have the distribution networks. Can you just explain for the, the layman listening what you mean when you're talking about distribution? Yeah, so the social media, in my opinion, there's there's two sides of it. So there's content and then there's distribution. So you have the best content in the world, but if you're getting zero eyeballs on it, then it's you're probably not going to grow. So distribution it can be, it, it, all it means is traffic, like getting traffic to content. And with a platform like X or Twitter, that's going to come in the form of retweets, comments, and yeah, that's, that's the main, main thing is like retweets and comments. Like that's going to get eyeballs on your stuff and you can pay for those. You know, you can pay someone 20 bucks or however much they charge if they charge money for retweets or comments and get I just view it as an ad. People are like, oh, you're just like, whatever. It's a, you know, they have some kind of stigma toward it. People pay for advertising in TV spots all the time. This is no difference. And it's not like you're going to grow. You have to have good content still. All you're getting is eyeballs. So if you have a shitty commercial, then it's not going to do anything. And then with Instagram, it can be story shares, shout outs. I think those are the main ones. And LinkedIn, it's comments. And, uh, yeah, so you can pay for that. You can get an engagement group so you can find other people and trade with them. And you can do it organically too. So you can, you know, tag someone in one of your posts and maybe they comment or retweet if you make them look good, all that. So there's different ways to do it. But yeah, I just view it as, you know, advertising. <laughs> I think there's like such a naivety to some people around how that works, but equally when you become in that network, you also need to be somebody that's of value. So if you were just commenting trash or like some, like say you had a huge account and they were just retweeting it and it, the kind of the numbers weren't there off the back of it, you would quite clearly like smell like, oh, this guy's maybe not as not the right audience for me. Equally, you might try and engage with somebody who's got a huge account, but their followers are all of a particular interest group that doesn't align with your content as well. So it's almost having that expertise still to recognize whose audience do I actually want to be in front of who's who has content that would resonate with my audience as well and how does that overlap because i think it could be easy to just be attracted to pure numbers in that regard 100 percent. Uh, a quick hack for twitter i mean you can get a you can pay 70 bucks for this thing called follower wonk from per month and you can analyze the demographics of other people's followings um so if i was to look at joe blow it's like okay they got a demographic mainly in africa and you know that's they got zero people in north america maybe i'm trying to target people in north america for my offer or whatever so i'm not going to buy retweets from them um but yeah it's it's really important you make sure it's aligned with your content your audience and all that because like imagine you're you buy retweets from some guy for his account's all about basketball but you're selling something about knitting it's just going to be so misaligned yeah, it, it, it's funny because even from like a podcast perspective, one of the lessons that I've learned, like some of the guys that have the biggest audience on here haven't necessarily resulted in the in the biggest downloads because they maybe haven't been perfectly aligned with what my audience are interested in. Like I think probably I think my most downloaded episode is with a guy that's from the same city as me. He's got like 25,000 people on Instagram and however many people on TikTok. And like almost all of them have converted over to podcast listeners because they love his stuff. They recognized me and my voice and my accent and they were just interested in the story and they went for it. Whereas maybe somebody that had a million followers that just seemed a little bit further removed from people or didn't like wasn't quite talking about the topics that they were super interested in maybe got like half the download still performed well of course but not on the same level and i find that really interesting to watch from like the back end from my perspective yeah i remember russell brunson he talked about how he would advertise on podcasts something like that and it didn't it didn't result in many conversions but when he was on a podcast and he would plug his his podcast it, it resulted in a lot of conversions because the audience is already consumers of podcasts. And so it was just a natural transition. They're like, oh, I'll probably like this podcast, you know? So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, it just takes that observing. That That's thinking. a huge point, Dakota. Yeah, I, I really noticed that when I guessed my archive, so not like my latest episode, but like 
one that's come out a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, they'll be like in the top like three or four played and I'll be like, wow, where's that come from? But it's just somebody's heard me on a podcast that's got however many downloads and then a percentage of those have been like, that Colin guy was quite interesting. He talked about a few different topics. He maybe name dropped some of the guests he's interviewed and they come back and they listen and I'm like, wow, like there is really like, there's like, I don't know, it it, it permeates, it all kind of crosses over in that regard. Yeah, dude, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting when you, you, you actually like take a look at all the analytics and conversions and stuff like that. You, you, cause it's all just mass psychology, right? Like why do they follow? Why do they convert to X, Y, Z? And you, you step back and you stop looking at it as a numbers thing and think about it as a psychology thing. It's, it's interesting. What psychology have you taken to the different platforms that you've grown on? Because I guess Twitter was like your day one, your boy, the one that you kind of grew first. But if I look at you on Instagram, if I look at you on LinkedIn, you have a really strong audience on there too. Yeah, well, I think one thing was just having empathy for people and then you naturally kind of craft your content toward that. So I'm always trying to ask myself, okay, why would someone care when I write something? And that's the biggest thing I see with new writers that I coach is they, they create content, but it's like, okay, why would they care? Like, are you, is there some kind of benefit in for the, in it for the reader? And a lot of the time they don't think about the reader. They're just like, oh, I'm just creating content. That's how you grow. It's like, no, you got to create content that is relevant to your audience. And people, you know, they, you think about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They want to, you know, they want confidence. They want to be healthier. They want better relationships, stuff like that. So it's thinking about, okay, in terms of writing, maybe I'm crafting content on writing. How can I frame it in a way where it will be beneficial for the person reading? Okay, are they going to become smarter? Should they be, appear smarter in their friend group? Are they going to make money from writing? Stuff like that. So always like keeping in mind, okay, what's the benefit? Why should they care? All of that. And, and that's, I think that's the best psychology hack you can do is always ask yourself. I really, why. I resonate so well with that. Um, in my, in my sales career away from the podcast, one of the key questions I always coach my team on is when you're telling a customer about what we do and how we work with you, our product, our service, whatever, think so what? So like, oh, we've got two warehouses that hold this amount of stock. So what? Oh, so that when you order at short notice, we've got the stuff that you need, whatever it is, right? It needs to come to life. So in the same way, like you're putting up this particular tweet or this particular Instagram reel, like what is it, what is there for the audience? Is it you just flexing to show like, oh, I've smashed this month and like, don't get me wrong, Money Twitter has like some really cool stuff where somebody's like, I went from this to this. But one of the things I've really noticed about your content is you're really specific about what it means as well. And I've, I've seen one of your reels talking about this in terms of like, so for example, you've just kind of told about the, the email that you released yesterday, which at the time of recording might be um, a, a kind of different timeline, but you've said, oh, my $20,000 mistake. It's super specific. So somebody's like $20,000 mistake. That's quite noticeable. Whereas if you said your $2 million mistake, people might be like, what the fuck? But it's, it, I, I love how you craft things. Yeah. It's creating that curiosity too. Cause you know, humans are curious. So like, holy shit, like $20,000 and you know, specific number. Um, but yeah, it's like curiosity is like one of the best ways to get people to read your stuff, but also, you know, having the, the, the content be benefit oriented. And I mean, in that email I dropped, I dropped an actual lesson. You're like, this is how I should have approached the situation. Here's how I'm going to frame my decision-making going forward. So, you know, opens with curiosity, ends with a benefit and all of that stuff. Exactly. You've delivered value off the back of it rather than just uh, necessarily bringing them in with their eyeballs for the, for the start. And I, I do find that frustrating sometimes when you, you click on a YouTube video and you're like, oh, well, I actually didn't have any of the stuff that you, 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 you promised me. But I think threads and the way that you write on like longer form content with like emails, for example, you've kind of got more scope and license to deliver what you maybe promised at the start. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like it's, it's just all about thinking about the reader and yeah, just delivering value. And like, what is value? I mean, like, okay, are you making them healthier, wealthier, or improving their relationships in some manner where it's like, can, after reading this, can they take action on this? I think that's something where a lot of people miss is, you know, they don't make the, the thing actionable. Like, if I was to read something, can I do something right after and, you know, progress toward that benefit? It's a great framework and the words come so easily to you as well. And I, I appreciate how you like open and how deep we've gone on like your mindset and your story during this pod, Dakota. But one of the things I want to ask you moving forward is I've heard you say before that you, you want to see yourself as like a Renaissance man, like a Renaissance man. 
What do you mean by that? I want to stack skills and in, in, in skills I want to learn, like I don't want to be a drop shipping expert, but I want to be a really articulate speaker. I want to be a great writer. I want to be a great marketer and content creator, all that stuff. And I think the, the way we're going, you got to be adaptable. Like the AI stuff, if you're, if you're not adaptable, you're going to get left in the dust. So you better learn, you know, AI and all of this stuff because I mean, if not, like the people that are adaptable, they're going to get ahead and you're going to be irrelevant. So I think it's important to be kind of a generalist in a lot of important areas. And that way, you know, if the market shifts and there's different variables at play, then you can adapt and, you know, like look at Danco, he's a generalist and he's been really successful with uh, his business and his content creation. And he's set for life. Like you have a, you build an audience like that. You're just set for life. You understand, you know, fundamentals of business you're set. Like, and then you look at maybe like an email specialist. Sure. Maybe they're great at writing emails, but like maybe they don't have an audience or they, they're not good at other areas. So, you know, just finding things where you can get that asymmetric return or that compounding return. And then you stack these, these skills on top. So in my opinion, I think building an audience, you know, that's what gives you leverage. If you, if you're like mediocre at sales, marketing and writing, you stack that on top of like this big audience, like, dude, you're set for life. You know, you don't need to be an amazing salesman or whatever to make a lot of money because you, you have this applied leverage with uh, your audience and yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. So I think being a generalist and stacking on the skill of a audience building is like the key to the future. I think it's exciting. And I think you're a master of your craft in a, in like a few domains, but equally seeing you expand out into the, maybe some of those different ones and making sure that you're of a, a competent level that you're happy with in those other domains is really exciting. And I think it does like future preview when you are talking about where technology is going, what's happening in that regard. That's like, it's an exciting position to be in and I'm excited to follow along for the journey. And I'm sure the listeners are as well. If they want to continue the conversation with you, Dakota, where should they head towards? I would say my website, dakotarobertson.net. Um, or if you want to hit me up on Twitter, at uh, wrongs to write, W-R-I-T-E. Uh, those are, Twitter is my main playground. The other ones are like, eh. <laughs> Fantastic, man. Those are both be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much to you, Dakota. And thank you to the listener. I'll be back to speak to you all again very, very soon.